Stolen Dreams by Rumours. We dreamed of creating the world's strongest Pokemon. Legs unable to move, the scientist could do nothing but watch the creature step through the flames and explosions as it cut down his peers. The being spotted him, narrowed its blue, glowing eyes, and raised an open palm. Only one final thought ran through his mind before a foreign power invaded his conscious. And we succeeded. A jerk and a bright flash of cold, sterile light brought the man back to the realm of consciousness. Unaware that he had even been asleep, he fell back down onto the pillow as his mind finished processing where he was and what he was doing. Before he moved again, his body told him he felt stiff and a little sore, as if he had stayed in bed for too long. The real question, though, whose bed was this? He lifted his head to examine it and discovered that it was actually a couch. Looking around, unfamiliar walls and bookshelves turned their gaze upon him. If he had to make a guess, he was in some sort of study, perhaps? On a table, a short distance away, were his phone and wallet. Immediately, he threw off the thin blanket and sat up. The man stretched before reaching for his things. He was partly worried he might have been robbed, but partly hopeful that they might give some clue to what was going on before he met someone who might expect him to know. Prying open the leather, he found his wallet and its contents intact. There was no ID inside, which made him panic until something told him it was on a different device entirely. He couldn't for the life of him remember what device, however. His phone, however, was in worse shape. The screen was cracked and dark splotches were beneath the glass, as if someone had gone through the effort to carefully spill ink through those cracks. He tried to power it on, but the device was completely unresponsive. Sighing, he stuffed the useless thing and his wallet into his pocket. He squeezed his eyes shut, took a breath, and tried to focus and bid his memories back to the surface where he could see them. Nothing came. Panicking, he tried to remember something, anything. Immediately, his mind was flooded with images and sensations of the past. His childhood, growing up, going to college, and then... Then, right as he graduated, nothing. Gone, as if that part of his life had been scrubbed clean from his mind. Sean, he remembered his name easily, bit his lip in concern. Something very unsettling was happening. Amnesia was not laser-focused like that. He'd either struggle to remember his past, or struggle to remember anything new. Yet, he had a chunk of his life cut out. Missing, absent, nothing save a sense of a long passage of years. Just, what happened? No answers would be found here, so, with nothing useful to be found in this room, he stepped out of the room and into a colder, sterile hallway. The dim hum of large electrical equipment reached his ears and he thought he heard voices drifting down the hall. He quickened his pace towards them in the hopes he'd find answers. The hallway opened up into a large room with a bank of computer servers and doors leading off to the sides. On the opposite wall, an elderly man was hunched over a computer desk working on something he could not see. 
On a couch in a far corner sat a blue-skinned, brown-shelled, turtle-like Pokemon with oddly fluffy ears and a tail. Sean immediately recognised it was a war turtle, one that seemed completely engrossed in a television. Sean didn't make it halfway across the room before the Pokemon noticed him. Glancing up in mild surprise, he quickly turned to the older man. Yo, Prof! No immediate response. Prof Oak! One moment, I almost... There was a pause and a half laugh. Excellent, it's working again. He grabbed a nearby cane, rotated his chair around and hesitated upon spotting the stranger in his midst. He sighed in relief and smiled. Oh good, you're awake. My family and I were worried about you. Worried about him? That set off alarms in his skull and he absolutely had to shut them down before they drowned out his thoughts. How did I get here? Sean, that's your name, right? Surprised at Prof Oak's knowledge, the man nodded. Rusty here and my granddaughter Daisy were playing down at the beach yesterday afternoon and found you on the shore. It was very unusual. You had not a scratch, your clothing was not damaged, and you had nearly a drop of water or a grain of dirt on you. It was as if something had carried you and set you down there. He tapped the floor with his cane thoughtfully. My grandson Cole identified you and said you two knew each other, which is good because you had no functioning ID on you. We brought you here and I called in our on-staff vet to check you out, since the closest doctor is in Pewter City and found you appeared to have no injuries. While I suspect a Pokemon probably put you to sleep, that normally does not last nearly so long. Sean wasn't sure what was stranger, his lack of memory or somehow washing ashore without even getting wet. Clearly, the professor agreed as he continued. What happened to you? This is not something that just happens. The man slumped his shoulders in defeat. I was hoping you could tell me. The last thing I remember was falling asleep in bed after graduating from uni, but I'm confident that was years ago. There's just... He paused as he thought of how to word it. A blank haze in my mind. It's like someone surgically removed part of my memories. The professor turned to the desk and picked something off of it. He turned back and held out a black and yellow fold-up device. Maybe this will help. The memory was corrupted, and, try as I might, I couldn't recover anything. I was able to at least reset it completely, although you'll probably want to re-download the Kanto and Johto expansions since this is not a Kanto native Pokedex. Sean stepped forward and accepted it. He flipped it open and found that it was displaying an entry on Chimchar. He stared at the picture for a moment as it felt intensely familiar. Overwhelmingly so. Something stirred within him, and the man gasped as a memory exploded to the forefront of his mind. The crisp, cool sea air blew through the streets of Canalave City while Sean sat on a pier overlooking the ocean. Even though it hadn't physically changed, the world somehow seemed fresh and new now that he had graduated and earned his Bachelor's of Veterinary Medicine a few days ago. Perhaps it was because, now that he was finished with education, a vast expanse of possibilities were open to him, free for him to choose? Or perhaps it was the lavender and purple-spotted egg that rested in his lap and promised to start an exciting journey once it hatched? 
He carefully shifted and inspected it. While it was inert and inanimate, its warmth gave clear indication that there was a living, breathing Pokémon inside. But this wasn't going to be just any Pokémon. No, this would be his first, given to him by one of his old roommates the day after they had graduated from Canalave University. That meant this Pokémon would be special, even if it was ordinary in every other fashion. Sean stared back out across the ocean and towards the distant lands hidden well beyond the horizon. About a year or so ago, even with the funds at his disposal, he would never have given serious thought to crossing the seas and visiting other regions. But now? Now he had the perfect reason to, someday, go and see the rest of the world. Heavy footsteps on the pier caught his attention and prompted him to turn. While he had never actually met the man, Sean instantly recognised the portly, elderly gentleman since he had visited the university on many occasions to give speeches and interact with students studying various fields of biology. Despite his potentially intimidating stature, any threat was destroyed by the smile he wore. That's a mighty fine egg you have there, young man. Sean stood up, grinned, and nodded. Yes, it is. A very special one, actually. Also, it's a pleasure to meet you, Professor Rowan. You must be one of the students from the university. Rowan sized up Sean for a moment, but I don't recognize you. Are you a biology major? The young graduate shook his head. Veterinary medicine, just graduated a few days ago. He couldn't help but swell with pride at his accomplishment. But I did attend a few of your speeches on Pokemon evolution. Not my field of study, but it's still a fascinating topic. I especially liked the one where you discussed Pokemon who evolved from external stimulus rather than by natural means. He smiled, but his eyes went in slight surprise as he realised he was making a serious mistake. Oh, I'm Sean O'Donnell. I'm sorry, I forgot to introduce myself. Professor Rowan chuckled and grinned. It's okay, son. So tell me, what makes that egg so special? This is my first Pokemon. Or, well, it will be once it hatches. The friend who gave it to me told me it'll be a Nidoran. Sean held up the egg for Rowan to see for a moment before he protectively clutched it to his chest. I'm going to raise it and, when it's old enough, we're going to set off on a journey and see the world. I don't know if we'll go on to the League circuit or try something else yet, but whatever it is, I'm looking forward to it. He realised he was grinning goofily and his expression became more sheepish. I don't know why, maybe it's the egg, but just thinking about it makes me giddy. A journey, huh? Professor Rowan set his briefcase down onto the pier. You know that eggs hatch better when they're around other Pokemon, right? Sean nodded and sighed. I don't have any way to catch a Pokemon on my own. Not until this one is hatched and old enough to battle so I'll just be patient. The elderly man chuckled once more as he opened up his briefcase. He dug around through the papers until he produced a red and white sphere. Sean's breath caught in his throat when he recognised what it was. Here, take this Pokemon then. I think he'll be perfect for you. Are you sure? He so terribly wanted to take the ball right then and there, but this wasn't something you just gave away. Professor Rowan nodded and smiled once more. It's heartwarming to see such dedication and enthusiasm from aspiring trainers such as yourself. 
Don't worry, I always keep a few Pokemon with me to give to individuals such as yourself. There comes a time in everyone's life to meet Pokemon, and I believe yours has arrived. Hesitantly, Sean shifted the egg into his left arm and accepted the Pokeball. He held it in his hand and stared at it carefully. It felt slightly heavier than it appeared and, like the egg, was warm to the touch. He twisted and turned it in his grip with uncertainty. Don't be nervous. I'm sure he'll be just as excited to meet you as you are to meet him. Sean flipped the ball in his grip and, like he had seen many times before, pointed it at the pier and pressed the button on the front. The ball popped open and shot out a burst of red light that slowly took the shape of a small brown monkey with a small flame in place of its tail. It looked around in confusion for a moment before staring up at Sean with wide, curious eyes. Sean, I would like you to meet Kyle, your new friend. Kyle, this is Sean, who is likewise your new friend. Kneeling down low while being careful not to lose his grip on the egg, the new trainer got close to the chimchar. Hey there, little buddy. Are you as happy to see me as I am to see you? Much to his surprise, the monkey nodded and grinned eagerly. The young man couldn't help but return the grin with one of his own. I think we're going to make great friends. He seems to have taken a liking to you. The professor snapped his briefcase closed and picked it up. Seems I was right when I decided you two would be a good match. Kyle leapt onto Sean's shoulder as the young man stood up once more. He couldn't help but giggle and immediately felt silly for doing so. Thank you, Professor. No, seriously, thank you. I, I really don't know what else to say. You're welcome. Professor Rowan offered his hand and Sean shook it. You two be kind to each other and work together. As long as you treat each other with respect and compassion, then there's no telling what kind of potential you'll be able to meet. I will, I promise. Although it wasn't with words that Sean could understand yet, Kyle voiced his promise to do the same as well. I know you will. The professor glanced down at his watch and then back to Sean. I need to be going now. Or really, I shouldn't have stopped to begin with, but you caught too much of my curiosity. Besides, I think you two are going to want to take some time to get better acquainted. Once more, Sean couldn't help but wear another huge grin. Thanks again, Professor. I'm not going to forget this moment. Professor Rowan laughed heartily and smiled. You're welcome. Safe travels to you and I hope you have a wonderful journey. As the Professor walked away, Sean turned back to Kyle. Hey, buddy, I got an important task for you. You see this egg? When it hatches, it'll be a new friend of ours. But until then, I need you to help me keep it warm and safe. Can you do that? Kyle nodded enthusiastically in reply. I'm glad to hear it. Let's go home then, shall we? Dude, are you okay? The voice of the war turtle snapped Sean back to reality and he looked up to see both the Pokemon and the Professor staring at him. In his hand, the image of the Chimchar remained on the screen of the Pokedex. I... I just... I remember. Just a little bit, but I was... am... a Pokemon trainer. 
He snapped the Pokedex closed and calmed his mind from the resurfaced experience. The memory seemed real, genuine, and filled the very beginning of that gap in his head. Knowing that he could remember something was a blessed reassurance that whatever damage he had suffered would not be permanent. At least, not entirely. I was in Sinnoh, and I started with an egg and a chimchar. That's all I remember. The turtle turned to the professor. Yo, what's a chimchar? Before any answer could be made, a heavy exterior door opened and closed somewhere behind them. Sean turned to see a young, brown-haired man coming inside. Something immediately put Sean at unease about this guy. But whatever he knew of him was currently buried in the empty abyss of his absent memories. Oh, Sean's awake. Let me text Mom real quick that we won't need the other bedroom. The newcomer immediately dug his phone out his pocket. He started to address Sean as he typed. Hey, it's been a while. How are you feeling? How'd you even wind up on the beach? Sean didn't respond right away as nothing came to his mind. A little stiff, but I'm fine. And I don't know. I don't even remember who you are. The newcomer looked up from his phone with a dumbfounded look. Really? Sean, it's me, Cole. We've known each other for a few months now. An awkward silence fell between them as Sean's face showed a lack of recognition. You really don't remember? Professor Oak cleared his throat for attention. As I was about to say, it might be a good idea for him to go to the global transit system in Goldenrod to recover his trainer ID. If he's a Synovian trainer, then none of the Pokemon centers will be of any use here. Cole, can you take him there? The other man shook his head. I have a lot of business to take care of that I can't put off, but I can take him to the Viridian City Pokemon Center and help him get issued a temporary license and ID if you email them that we're coming. Well, that's a better plan than I'd be able to come up with right now. Sean only recognized the name of Goldenrod, which he knew was a major port city and, therefore, was the main economic and population center of Johto. Gramps, I'll catch you later. Cole waved to the professor and motioned to Sean to follow him. Walk with me, Sean. Maybe we can jog some of that memory for you. He nodded and turned back to the professor. Hey, thanks for making sure nothing happened to me in fixing my Pokedex. Tell, uh, tell Daisy thanks as well. Hey, wait! Rusty threw himself off of the couch and ran up to Sean. I want to go with you. Rusty, are you sure? You barely know him. The professor slowly pulled himself out of his chair with the help of his cane. It's also either a long or dangerous trip to Goldenrod from here, even if you take the train in Saffron. The war turtle nodded. Prof, as much as I enjoy the TV and helping you, I'm getting real tired of being cooped up in the lab most of the time. I'm happy here, but... I can't keep waiting any longer for your other grandson to grow up. I just can't. I need to be out there, and this is my best chance before then. There was a pause as if Professor Oak seemed to be thinking of something. Well... That does give me a few months to get something else. He shook his head. 
Well, if Sean will have you, then it's your decision and I respect it. Long or dangerous trip? And he'd only have an escort for only so far? To Sean, the decision seemed like a no-brainer. I'd be happy for you to come along. Cole nodded in approval. Awesome. Rusty's been complaining about boredom for a week now, so this works out for you both. But come on, let's get going. It's the weekend, so if you don't want to wait until Monday, we only have a couple more hours to get to Viridian to get you that temp ID. Sean nodded in agreement and started to follow Cole out the door with Rusty, who was waving farewell to the professor. This all seemed really abrupt to Sean, but if his best shot at getting his memories back were a long trip from where he currently was, then sitting around doing nothing felt like it'd be very counterproductive. Still, though, he couldn't shake the nervousness about, well, everything so far. Stolen Dreams by Rumors Chapter 2 None Shall Pass Maybe it was because Oak's lab was situated in the outskirts of Pallet Town, but Sean couldn't help but feel they were almost in the middle of nowhere. It was as if the surrounding forests were encroaching on the town, rather than civilization having carved out a clearing for itself. It reminded him of some of the more remote parts of Sinnoh, such as Twinleaf Town, which, while small, was not located too far from Canelade University. And even then, what little he had seen of Twinleaf Town seemed more affluent than what he was witnessing in Pallet Town. Excluding the lab, the nearby homes and other buildings he saw seemed dated. The roads were also cracked in places too, although such a thing wasn't terribly uncommon, so he gave Pallet a pass on that issue. Downtown would probably be in better shape, but he wasn't going to see that. Sean glanced at his temporary travelling companion. His mind still told him to be at unease, despite how nothing was being said or done to reinforce that disposition. So you're not bringing me out here just to trick me into a battle, are you? What? No. Dude, I know I have a reputation for being a jerk sometimes, but you just woke up from a coma. That'd be way too much of a dick move. Cole vigorously shook his head as he led them north along the road. Besides, two other things. First, it wouldn't be a fair battle. Sean raised an eyebrow until he noticed Cole was indicating to his belt. On it were seven Pokeballs of various designs, mostly the Ultra version. That is a few Pokemon. Wait, I thought trainers could only use teams of six. You're not wrong. These, he indicated the six on one side of his belt, are my master division team. Pitting Rusty against them would be like pitting a kid against a pro boxer. Sean's mind was immediately filled with the image of a seven-foot-tall man punching out a five-year-old, which made him grin despite how horrible such a thing would be in reality. Meanwhile, the other one is Victor, an Ivysaur who I'm training so I have more options in league battles. Rusty's strong, but he doesn't have the training to overcome a disadvantage like that. The war turtle walking along Sean's side sighed and nodded. 
Yeah, back before we evolved, Victor and me used to be on even footing. Now I struggle to win unless he messes up pretty badly. Sean patted the tortoise on the shoulder reassuringly. He imagined that shell would be difficult to overcome for a novice Pokemon, even if the owner wasn't skilled yet himself. But with some experience... That makes sense. I'd rather not get Minor Rusty's teeth kicked in during my first hour of being awake again. But what was the other reason? Come on, Sean, you're smarter than that, it should be obvious. Cole glanced to him when the amnesiac in question shot him a quizzical look. Your memory... You are a trainer, one of the best I know, even. But none of that matters if you don't even remember how to battle. Without your memory, you might be stuck on the same level as those bug-catching hobbyists in Viridian right now. You better be better than one of them. I ain't gonna listen if all you do is tell me to tackle someone over and over. Sean shook his head. At the very least, he knew how to battle better than a ten-year-old. No, I think I remember the basics, at least. One of my friends in college wanted to be a trainer, but couldn't since he had a bad knee and could only walk so far. When I expressed interest, he taught me everything he knew before we graduated. It wasn't a lot, I think, but still better than nothing. Really? Cole gave him a quizzical look and then grinned as a thought seemed to come to his mind. Well, let's go over what you know. You might jostle a memory loose in that head of yours. And if not, then at least you'll be better prepared when a wild Pokemon or angry bug catcher attacks you. Well, for starters, he did go over the league classification for Pokemon. For example, Rusty looks like he'd probably be classified as a water Pokemon, which means he'd have an advantage against fire, but disadvantage against floral Pokemon. The conversation would continue like that for some time. And... While it did cause something to come back to his memory, it wasn't the memory he would have expected. Angry shouting amplified in volume as the argument reached its hottest levels yet. Two men were doing the majority of the yelling while a woman seemed to be shouting only to be heard above their noise. Eventually, one of the parties had enough of the fight and stormed outside of the house onto the deck and slammed the door behind him. Muffled shouting followed after him, but he ignored it. Andrew and Sarah, Sean's younger siblings who shared his green eyes and dirty blonde hair, stared at him quietly from their seats at the patio table as he huffed and sighed. Now, free of the fight, he slumped his shoulders and collapsed into an unoccupied chair. Jasmine, the pink-furred, blue-eyed, ribbon-adorned Sylveon, seemed to sense his distress and trotted over to Sean to nuzzle his leg and comfort him. He scratched her ears in return. After a few moments of silence, he looked up at his siblings and asked the obvious question. You heard all of that? Yeah, but I don't get it. Why are they so angry when this is what you want to do? Andrew shook his head. They always told us they'd support us in whatever we do. Well, I think Mom is finally understanding where I'm coming from. Sean turned his gaze to the snowy line of mountains on the horizon and the valleys below them, a view he had missed terribly while in Canalave. The problem is Dad. He thinks that, by becoming a trainer, I'm wasting my degree in education and I'll wind up living in a rainy ditch or something. 
His younger brother crossed his arms and gave him a perplexed look. That doesn't make any sense. You have a veterinary degree. Wouldn't being able to heal your own team be one of the best uses for it? Seriously, how many trainers are forced to quit because their team gets hurt on the road and they can't do anything about it? That's what I told him. Sean sighed again and turned away from the panoramic view. No matter how overqualified he was for the occupation, he couldn't get through his dad's thick skull. Heck, I even told him that if I didn't do well as a trainer, then I'd at least have real field experience. That'd make me a lot more desirable to hire than anyone fresh out of college. That's just being dad, don't worry. Sarah stroked the small Nidoran in her arms and smiled warmly. Besides, if he saw how adorable Mera is, then he'd have to change his mind. Andrew snorted. Ah, good luck with that. I'm surprised they let you get and raise Jasmine for participating in contests. The Sylveon in question lifted her ears and peered over the edge of the table at the mention of her name, though stayed silent. She tended to stay out of drama-filled conversations, at least verbally. Yeah, that makes no sense. Why won't they let me be a trainer when they'll let you be a coordinator? There was a pause before Sean thought better of it and quickly added, Not saying that it's your fault or anything, of course. No, it's fine. I guess it's because I'm not out on the road? Or because I only need to go down to Veilstone to practice and do shows? His sister shrugged while the Nidoran squirmed in her arms. By the way, Mero keeps trying to poke me with her barbs. It kind of tickles, but I feel like she's trying to attack me or something. Sean snickered slightly as he offered to take his baby Pokemon from his sister. Once the Nidoran was in his arms, she calmed down immediately. That's probably because she doesn't know you yet. Normally, you're not supposed to pick up a Nidoran you don't know since they have toxic barbs and they're not afraid to use them if they feel even slightly threatened. But Mayra's still a baby, so hers aren't sharp or poisonous yet. Which is a good thing because I'm a vet and not a doctor. Speaking of Pokemon, where's Kyle hiding this time? He's not with you, so he can't be in sa- as if waiting to become the subject at hand, the chimchar dropped down from the tree above, landed on the centre of the table, and posed dramatically. Kyle said something, but none of them could understand him yet. Oh, well, that answers that. So, even though Dad's going to be upset forever, you're still going to try to challenge the League and all that. Sean nodded. Yeah, at least senior division. I'm too old for junior and nowhere near ready for doing master like all the trainers on TV. I might even start sooner than I plan, since I doubt it's going to be pleasant staying here with Dad acting the way he is. He offered a hand to Kyle, who accepted it by clambering along his arm until he reached Sean's shoulder to use as a perch. His sister smiled brightly. Well, good luck then. I hope you do well and get to start when you're ready rather than being forced to because Dad kicked you out. Come visit me in Veilstone whenever you go for the gym there. Turned out, Sean did need some brushing up on something, since not all of his information was quite accurate. Whether it was his fault or his mentor's, he wasn't sure. But, for example, insects didn't like rocks. He felt as if he should already know that and more, but the information was eluding him. The lessons, however, were interrupted when a brown and tan bird, 
with yellow and pink tail and crest feathers, swooped in and landed between them and the road beyond. This is my territory, the Pidgeotto shouted as she flapped her wings and glowered menacingly. Sean could almost see the fire burning in her eyes. And I'm not letting some blue, furry-eared lizard through. Go back to the sea where you belong and stop coming after my prey. Rusty crossed his arms. Really, sis? I'm just passing through. I don't care about your hunting grounds or any of that. Oh, hey, that's that really feisty Pidgeotto. Cole dug into a pocket and produced a black and white Pokeball with a yellow U on top. He tossed it to Sean, who almost dropped it in surprise. Show me what you just learned and whatever else you might remember. The bird eyed the ball warily. You throw that thing at me and I'll drag your butt to the ocean and drop you into the deep end myself. Sean had to resist rolling his eyes. He could tell that this Pokemon might be a handful, but something in the back of his mind told him that, if her fiery attitude could be refined and focused, well, she might just end up being a fierce Pokemon in battle. Tell you what, if you beat Rusty, then we'll go back to Pallet Town for the rest of our lives. If we beat you, then you'll come with us. But if you don't want to fight, then you have to let us pass. Avian eyes narrowed on Sean's as if they were looking for deceit and trickery. And if I refuse? Well, I make no promises my friend here won't six seven more Pokemon on you. Sean shrugged nonchalantly. It's all up to you. The Pidgeotto made an expression and a noise that seemed like her best imitation of growling and baring her fangs. Only she couldn't growl and had no fangs, but the expression and sound still managed to convey menace. Her talons scratched the ground and kicked up dirt as she considered the offer. The bird's eyes shifted between Sean and Rusty before she spat onto the ground. Fine, but you're going to regret picking a fight with the most badass Pidgeotto of Viridian Forest. She did not give anyone a chance to reply before a powerful flap of her wings launched her into the air with a small shockwave of dirt and debris. Both humans practically jumped back when she immediately dove for Rusty and knocked him onto his back before he realised what was going on. Rusty, just protect yourself for a moment. The war turtle nodded in response to Sean's command. I want to subdue her rather than knock her out if we can. The bird wheeled around in the air and dove again. The tortoise watched her as she drew near before withdrawing into his shell to allow the attack to deflect off the hard surface. Despite his defence, the force of the blow sent him skidding a few feet across the grass. Ha! I knew it! The bird laughed as she swooped up to reposition for another attack and dove again for the same result. You would hide in your shell instead of fighting me! Sean snapped his fingers. I got it. Fake your protection, but when she comes again, pop out, drench her, and pin her. Got it, bro! Rusty watched as the Pidgeotto moved in again, seemingly unfazed by her attacks being deflected. He timed her approach and withdrew. When the bird came close once more, Rusty poked his head out of the shell while unleashing a torrent of water. The Pidgeotto could not correct her course in time to dodge and was sent tumbling to the ground by the aquatic blast. Immediately, Rusty was on his feet running her down. The bird scrambled onto her talons just in time to hop away from the war turtle's tackling attempt. She flapped her wings to kick up sand, 
but with most of it becoming mud from Rusty's water attack, very few grains rose up to deter Rusty from dousing her in the face. The Pidgeotto was unable to shake the water from her eyes before a shell dropped right on top of her. She struggled and fought to escape, but Rusty's greater strength and mass allowed him to near effortlessly keep her trapped. Do I gotta spray water in your face, or are you gonna give up? No response other than frantic flapping of wings and flailing of talons. You're not getting out unless I let you. No, never. The Pidgeotto renewed her attempts to escape, but her efforts were in vain. As she continued, Rusty gave her a blank stare as if to ask if she was serious. Finally, after another half of a minute, the bird stopped, sighed, and a resigned expression of embarrassment filled her face. Fine, you win. Happy now? Rusty sighed and shook his head. Took you long enough. Okay, Rusty, you can get off of her. As he did so, Sean fiddled with the Ultra Ball for a moment to activate the passive capture function and then pointed it at the Pidgeotto. Grimacing, the bird did not resist or escape. So, what's your name? The displeased avian shot him a glare. It's Sonia. And even though I'm going with you, I'm not going to call you Master, Boss, Lord, Highness, His Most Epicness to Ever Exist, or any of that crap. And if all you use me for is chasing down bugs in Viridian Forest or keeping me as a pet or anything else worthless, then I'm going to gouge out your eyes, make some chicks, and then feed your eyes to them. It took some effort to keep down a snicker. Sheesh, Cole wasn't kidding when he said she was feisty. Fair enough, I'd probably do the same if our positions were swapped. The exchange was interrupted by a low whistle. You still have it, Sean. Maybe not as much as you used to, but that was a clean catch. Passive catch, even. Cole grinned and patted him on the back. And you're still partly empathic, too, so your head isn't screwed up too much. Sean shot him a quizzical look. Partly empathic? Cole's smile faded and he sighed. You and your messed up memory... Look, that's more of a question for Gramps. All I know is you're one of those types who can talk to Pokemon freely and stuff without having to get to know them first. But for better and worst, you're not a full-on empath. No bells rung at the term, unfortunately, so Sean figured it must have been an ability he discovered after starting his Sinnoh journey. After all, wasn't he unable to understand Kyle and Mewa when he first met them? They started towards Viridian City again, Rusty and Sonia following in silence, mostly because the latter refused to do much other than smolder. Meanwhile, the trio line opened up as they came upon the outskirts of the next town. Sean thought he saw the red roof of a Pokemon Center coming into view in the distance. So, I need to go to Goldenrod in Johto to get to the GTS, right? Professor Oak said it was a long or dangerous trip, but that doesn't explain which way to go. Right, right. Cole thought for a moment. Let's see, you got a lot of bad options. Like, the fastest way would probably be to go west from here, and then follow the coast all the way around to New Bark, up to Violet, and then over to Goldenrod. But that's Johto's Champion's Road, and you'd also have to go through a waterfall cave. In any case, there's no way you're prepared for either. You could also cut straight west, but that's hiking through mountains and wilderness, so bad idea. Cole tapped his chin as he considered other routes. 
You could go up to Puto to take the visitor's road to Indigo Plateau, then follow the road on the other side to Blackthorn and eventually Ecruteak, where you'd go south. But the league isn't in season for another month, so you won't find any public transit until Mahogany Town. So at best, you might as well be hiking through mountains. Another period of silence as the other trainer thought more on the problem. The magnet rail in Saffron's your best bet. Between here and there directly is all dangerous wilderness, so you can't walk straight there. Diglett's cave is in Viridian Forest, but I hope I don't need to explain why spending days underground walking across the region is a really bad idea. So your best bet is to go east from Pewter to Cerulean and then south from there. You'll have to deal with Mount Moon, but that'll be a cakewalk compared to everything else. All walking? That felt a little odd. Is there really no public transit or anything? Not a GTS hub in Kanto? Another head shake. Sorry to break it to you again. Kanto is a fairly poor region compared to Sinnoh. I mean, we're not impoverished or anything, but you're still not going to find any real vehicles until you hit Pewter since we're basically in the boonies out here. All the money and population are concentrated around Saffron and the neighboring cities. So, like... We don't even get internet out here, except for Gramps who needs it for research, the Pokemon centers, the gyms, and a few businesses. Cole sighed. If it weren't for the seaports at Fuchsia and Vermilion, we'd probably end up all being dirt harvesters. Well, that explained a lot and painted a somewhat bleak picture of Kanto. Coming from a more affluent background, it was a little hard for Sean to imagine a whole region lacking in a lot of conveniences that he had taken for granted growing up but he probably had gotten along more or less fine before today. Looks like Mount Moon it is, then. I get the vibe I might need more than Rusty and Sonia to make that trip safely. As they stopped outside the Pokemon Center, Cole nodded. Right. Take your time, there's no rush. Your license isn't going anywhere, and the temporary one is good for six months. So I'd say spend a few days here getting up to speed with your Pokemon and maybe recruit a few more. Might not be a bad idea to train at the gym in Pewter too. They won't let you challenge for the badge with a temporary license, but you can still practice there. He patted Sean on the shoulder and opened the door to the Pokemon Center. Speaking of, let's get that taken care of. This should take no time if Gramps sent them the email like I asked. Stolen Dreams by Rumors Chapter 3 The Wrath of Viridian Forest It had been a few days since he and Cole had parted ways, the latter insisting he had important matters to attend to while refusing to elaborate as to what they entailed. Sean was eager to get onto the road and rush to Goldenrod, but with Mount Moon looming ahead, he knew he'd need the assistance of Pokemon to ensure safe travels on foot. So, he trained. Lack of memories or not, Sean was confident he had never trained either a Pidgeotto nor a Wartortle before, so learning how they battled seemed like a good idea before getting into any real situations. Fortunately, after he downloaded the Kanto and Johto expansions to his Pokédex at the Pokémon Center, 
They provided a wealth of information on everything he could possibly need to start training without doing so blindly. The Pokédex doled out useful information such as diets, typical behaviours, habitats, expected growth speed, and more that would help anyone raising the Pokémon in general. But for trainers, it also had a bounty of crowdsourced training information. Ideal battle tactics, techniques most individuals learned on their own or could be easily taught, techniques they could learn with assistance, league type designations, Pokémon that often partnered well with them, and more. The only thing that was really missing were the secrets from the pros themselves. More than likely, those were either sold for money or simply kept secret. Although there was still a lot of guessing. Pidgeotto, for example, had a lot of entries from people analysing the battle techniques a gym leader named Faulkner in Johto used with his own Pidgeotto and Pidgeot. But between that and all the other information, Sean had picked up enough to try it out right now. Rusty and Sonia sparred. The bird was grounded after a failed dive attempt, but refused to back off to give the turtle a chance to blast her with water. The war turtle definitely had an advantage while they were down on the surface, but not as much of one as Sean would have expected. Sonia nimbly dashed and darted around Rusty's strikes while slipping in quick blows from her beacon talons. They weren't dangerous on their own, but they'd add up. Rusty spun around, whipping Sonia with his tail to throw her off balance before completing the spin and launching a headbutt right into the bird's face. Sonia stumbled back and immediately whipped up a cloud of sand to force some distance between them, and then launched herself upward in a small funnel cloud. Rusty recovered and took aim, but held his fire as she shuttle-looped to make herself a harder target. Sonia twisted in the air and then gave her wings a direct, forceful flap in Rusty's direction. Blades of wind sliced through the air and carved up the grass where the tortoise had been just moments ago. A surge of water rose up to meet her, but she folded her wings together defensively and they became reflective like a polished mirror. The attack bounced off harmlessly, and Sonia chased the torrent down and drove Rusty into the ground just after the water returned to its sender. I love that new skill. Sonia spread her wings triumphantly on top of the war turtle. Had they not been sparring, both of them probably would have kept going, but the aim wasn't to hurt each other. The bird looked over at Sean with approval. Between that and the food, I might have to take back some of the vitriol I yelled at you. The Pokemon trainer chuckled. She had taken well to human cuisine and mellowed a bit as a result. Wait until we can find somewhere with a stable enough connection to buy and download some of the more technical and unusual moves. Most bird Pokemon can flap fire or use their wings to cut like a sword. I'd be surprised if you couldn't do either. I'm glad you're happy, sis, but can you get off of me? Rusty tapped Sonia's talons planted on his chest and, after a snicker, the bird relented and hopped off. He groaned and sat up as he looked at Sean. Tell me I get more than headbutting and shooting water? The trainer flipped open the Pokedex and took a few moments to look for it. Hmm, ice, boiling water, ooh, there's one here about shooting raw power like a dragon. Wow, that was awesome. An unfamiliar voice interrupted them from out of sight. Everyone glanced around in surprise, but moments later, a small, brown, somewhat ball-shaped monkey dropped out of a nearby tree. Sonia hopped forward and crouched slightly, just in case she needed to defend herself, or, more likely as Sean was guessing, attack because she felt like it. 
Were you watching the whole time? The manky, undeterred by the warning in her stature, nodded enthusiastically. Yep, you guys seem like you're taking things seriously and will be really strong. Unlike a lot of the kids and their teams around here, those guys suck. Suspecting she had some sort of ulterior motive for this approach, and to deter a potential Sonia attack, Sean stepped forward and positioned himself partly between the two females and knelt down. What's your name? I'm Alex, and, um, this might be a bit awkward to ask out of nowhere. The manky twiddled her fingers and glanced sideways for a moment. Can, can I join you? Rusty crossed his arms and sized up the other Pokemon. I'm not against it, but that's really forward of you, sis. What's up? Why do you want to just up and leave your home? I want to be strong, like you guys. When that answer didn't seem to be taken as fact, she sighed. Okay, fine. I can't stand being around my family anymore. I don't have any anger points like they all do, so being around that raging bunch just gets tiring. Plus, I want to prove to them I don't have to turn into a berserker just to fight well. And what better way to get the training, teaching, and experience I'd need than to hitch along with a good trainer? Sonia relaxed and folded her wings. Well, it's a good enough reason for me, I guess. Rusty glanced at his avian friend. Better than my reason. Wait, yeah, what even was your reason? The tortoise shrugged. I was bored. What the... Sonia actually looked taken aback, much to Sean's surprise. Are you freaking serious? That's your reason? While he let those two bicker about how silly Rusty's reason may or may not have been, Sean returned his attention to Alex while digging a Pokeball out of his backpack. I'm hearing no objections, so consider yourself part of the team. Just fair warning, we were about to pack up and head to town for lunch before going through Viridian Forest to make it to Pewter. So it might be a day or two before I can catch you up to the others. The manky grinned. That's fine. Just promise I'll get to learn some of those awesome attacks, too. Sean took aim with a passive capture feature. I promise. Kyle threw as powerful of a punch as he could muster, but his opponent, a small brown quadruped Pokemon with thick grey plate for a face, didn't even flinch. The shield on continued its charge and knocked the chimchar onto his back yet again. Kyle staggered to his feet, but then dropped to his knees while wheezing deeply for air. Come on, Kyle, you can do it, Sean shouted in encouragement, certain his partner could pull this off. He had an advantage in this gym, after all. However, the monkey tried to rise once more and instead just gave out onto the ground. I don't think he can take any more. The gruff, dirty, pink-haired gym leader crossed his arms and shook his head. It was a nice attempt, but you still have a long way to go before you should be challenging the gyms. What am I doing wrong? Sean reluctantly recalled Kyle from the field in an act of forfeiture. Even though he had two Pokémon, Mayra was too young to fight in a serious battle. Fire is supposed to beat metallic Pokémon, right? How come I lost? Battling is more than just trying to counter the type of Pokémon your opponent uses. A good trainer will compensate for their weaknesses, a great trainer will overcome them, and a trainer with true skill will render them meaningless. One of the reasons we gym leaders specialise is to teach that to new trainers such as yourself. Byron let his message sink in before he smiled. But don't worry, you should be fine for the first badge or two if you do some bonding and training with your Pokémon. 
Adding one or two more of your team wouldn't hurt either. The rookie trainer sighed and nodded. Thanks, I guess. I'll just have to wait until Mayra is old enough to battle. Disappointed at losing so easily, Sean left the gym and felt the eyes of others in the establishment watching him pass through the doors. He felt naive and silly for attempting this so soon. Veteran trainers made gym battles sound so easy, but that was clearly not the case. On the bright side, he took solace in the confidence that his mistake was likely a common one, but it wasn't one he was going to make twice. Alex stared down the yellow cocoon as its black, near-lifeless eyes tried to gaze deep into her soul. It was almost unnerving, but the effect was lost as it was barely able to move around to threaten her. The monkey walked up to the cocooner, gently pushed it over onto its side, and gave its young trainer a tired stare. Oh no, I think she might have us on the ropes! The boy paced frantically as he tried to figure out a solution. Uh, um, uh... B! Use tackle! The manky gave the cocooner a sardonic stare as it slowly rolled over to her and bumped into one of her legs with just enough force for her to notice. The boy ran over, picked up the cocoon to set it back upright, and then ran back to his spot. The cocoon slowly reached out with a stinger before twisting and falling sideways onto Alex. She took a step back and allowed it to finish its journey back to the forest floor. Sean sighed and shoved a palm into his face. Kid, do we really have to do this? Yep, I am the Wrath of Viridian Forest. The only thing keeping Sean from glaring at him in utter disbelief was the fact that this kid couldn't have been any older than ten years old. Nobody passes through here without battling me, and I never lose. The adult trainer shook his head. Where the heck was this kid's mom and dad? He didn't even have a functioning Pokemon for protection. Okay, fine. We surrender. We forfeit. Wait, wait. The child took a moment to process what was said before his eyes attempted to go wider than the smile spreading on his face. Does that mean I win? Sean nodded. Immediately, the kid practically dove for B and scooped it up. Yeah! I told you I never lose! B, let's go home and tell Mom I beat an adult! Alex watched the kid run off and slump her shoulders. Did... Did that just actually happen? Bro, couldn't you have, like, taught him some humility or something? Rusty glanced at his trainer. It would have been really easy. There will be no curb stomping of the kids. Sean shook his head vigorously. If he had been older, it'd be one thing. But the last thing I want is some angry parent shouting at me over her crying child or maybe even getting the police involved. Or worse, I can already see the headlines. Man beats lone child in middle of forest. The war turtle shook his head and sighed. Wouldn't have stopped Sonia. Speaking of, where did she go? As if on cue, the birds swooped in from the treetops, shouting, Catch! Sean barely had time to react before a terrified, squirming green caterpillar fell into his arms. I was gonna eat it, but... Since we're doing the whole team thing, I thought I should at least ask if you wanted one first. Don't eat me! Please! I'll do anything! Don't eat me! Sean closed his eyes and let out a deep breath. He was gonna have to talk to Sonia about her recruiting methods. He did not want to be deciding whether Pokemon joined his team or died. 
Relax, I'm definitely not going to eat you. Sean refused to eat Pokemon meat to begin with, let alone bugs. What's your name? Oh, the Caterpie seemed surprised at the sudden change in the situation as Sean set it down on the ground. Um, my name's Cedric. I named myself that since my parents didn't bother naming me or my siblings since birds eat most of us in our first few months. But, um, I was trying to get into a cocoon when she grabbed me off my branch. Sean fished his Pokédex out of his pocket and flipped through it for a Caterpie. It wasn't one he was too familiar with since nobody in Sinnoh ever mentioned them. Eventually, he found it and, after looking at its evolved form's abilities, he couldn't help but grin. Cedric could offer some utility the team would be really lacking. You want to join us? We'll protect you while you go through your cocoon so you could evolve. The little bug nodded so hard it almost looked like his head was going to fly off. Yes, yes, please. We almost never make it past being metapods. Really, Sean? He glanced up at the Pidgeotto who was shaking her head. He's just going to be a burden. Just say no like I was hoping you would, okay? Sonia, do you hunt Butterfree? She considered for a moment and shook her head again. No way. All that toxic dust they carry is nasty. Even if you manage to get one down and not get coated in the junk, it makes them taste chalky and gross. Nastiest thing I ever tried to eat. Well, there you go then. If we had that kind of stuff in our arsenal, then it'd really give us a leg up in any difficult battles. Sean started to dig out a ball from his backpack. Might even help you beat someone you couldn't otherwise. Sonia rolled her eyes and huffed. Kind of a lame way to fight, if you ask me. Says the bird who keeps blowing dust into my eyes, Rusty remarked dryly, crossing his arms. Hey, I can't help that the dirt is in the way of my wind blasts, Sonia retorted, pointing an accusatory wing at the war turtle. So I might as well make use of it. Alex and Cedric watched the two of them bicker for a few moments before the manky glanced up at her trainer. Do they do this a lot? Sean slowly took in a deep breath and exhaled. They're a work in progress. Hopefully the German pewter helps them blow off some steam. If not, then I don't know what I'm going to do yet. After calming the two down, they managed to get out of the forest without another hitch or encountering any more cocoon-wielding children with threatening made-up titles. The uphill hike continued until close to sunset, when the team finally crested a hill and were staring down into the stone-grey city of Pewter. Sean may not have been in a rush, but he was definitely happy to feel like he was finally making progress on this trip.